Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So this morning, we are uh, going to conclude our Share Your Faith series. Uh, we are on week three. We had uh, missionary uh, Richard and Gail Rogers with us last week. If you missed that, man, you missed out. Um, but as a church, as of right now, I think we've given about $2,100 in a love offering for them, um, which that's awesome. Give your hand a round, round of applause. That's a big deal. Um, because that wasn't planned, that wasn't scripted. It was like, hey, surprise, I'd like you to give. So sometimes, you know, that works well. Sometimes it doesn't. But nonetheless, the church gave. And it, I really believe that they're gonna, we're going to be able to invest in good soil and uh, really just begin to impact some of the work that they're doing. How many of you after last week wanted to go on a mission trip? Man, it just started stirring things in. He's like, man, Lord, it's so, it's so much bigger than Bay City. So much bigger than this church. It's so much bigger. We, we serve a God who has a, has a global kingdom that uh, he wants us to collaborate and be part with. Uh, but nonetheless, God also wants us to be impactful and influential in our own backyard. And I know a lot of times people say, well, oh, I, I, I enjoy missions. But when we talk about sharing your faith, um, that's something that we each get the privilege to do, hopefully on a regular basis in our own backyard, in our own community, at our workplaces, around people that we are in close proximity to. So week one, when we talked about the share your faith, we talked about starting the conversation. Week one, we said, you know, if you don't start the conversation, very rarely will you get to the gospel. And then if you don't get to the gospel, you probably won't even share your testimony because you haven't even begun the conversation. So we start with starting the conversation. And, la and, and the week before last, we talked about the gospel, what the gospel is, the components of the gospel. And, and the components of the gospel is grace, man, God, Christ, and faith. All of these have to be involved when we talk about what the gospel is. I'd call it the pillars of the gospel. Uh, you take one of these out of the equation, and it's, you know, I always kind of communicate. It's kind of like a broken gospel. You, take, you can take Christ out of the equation. What do you have? You take faith out of the equation. What do you have? Right? You know, you just have a partial. So we want to make sure that when we're presenting the gospel, and we gave the gospel a definition, it's the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was the son of God, and he now offers the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sin to anyone who repents and believes in him. You know, in a nutshell uh, definition of what the gospel is. So when, today we're going to move into sharing your testimony. Now, I would say without the gospel, without a, a life transformation by the power of Jesus, it's going to be really, really hard for you to come up with a testimony because you can't really have a testimony without Jesus. You can't really ha you, you can have a good story. But you're not going to have a testimony. So this morning we're going to look at, you know, focusing on testimony. And it is because of how Jesus has radically changed each of our lives. Now, um, as I was thinking about this, God just really stirred the power of my testimony. And I hope this morning that he stirs the power of your testimony. And if you think about it just for a moment, all of the wonderful things that God has done for you. 
Just think about it. It's like, man, like this is where I was and this is how I was and he loved me and I was undeserving of it. And, you know, the more that I think about what Jesus has done for me, it just encourages me. It, it stirs me up and I really have something to share in the power of testimony now. But we have to remember those good things that God has done. So by definition, the word testimony is the evidence or proof by the existence or appearance of something. So your testimony is proof in your life that the things that changed are, and there's things that are now different because of the power of Jesus working in and through your life, right? You should not look like you did a long time ago before you knew Jesus. There should be evidential change. It should be visible. It should be practical. You should see the difference. You know, it's kind of the, the, the equivalent of having the lights off in a room and having the lights on in the room. It's radically different. You begin to see things that you never saw before. Rather than kind of fumbling through life, running into the coffee table, tripping over the couch, stump, stumping your toe on the toys, and, you know, just trying to navigate life apart from the illumination of Christ being released in your life. When the lights are turned on, we see clearer, we see differently. Everything changes in our life and in our situation. But that testimony is proof of what God has done. So 1 Peter 3.15, it says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, that's going to be kind of the, the core focus point of the message this morning. Now, this message is going to be very, very practical. Going to give you a lot of practical insights, some steps, some things to do. Um, but understand the whole point is so that we can be prepared when we get a chance to share our testimony, to be ready to share our testimony. I think sometimes if we haven't thought about it or we haven't kind of uh, mapped out what our testimony looks like, if I were to ask you right now, hey, what's your testimony? Some of you would do really, really good, maybe. Some of you may do really, really poorly and say, dear God, help me. Right? You know, because we want to be prepared when people ask. But it says, be ready to give the answer. Always be prepared. So you are being warned because I believe God is going to give us an opportunity to share our testimony with others. But we want to be prepared in doing that. So let me help you a little bit this morning. So our lifestyle prior to any words being spoken need to be complementing our testimony. Right? If our lives are not modeling something different that is speaking volumes, it doesn't matter what we say to reinforce contrary actions. Right? I can say I love God, but if my life doesn't reflect loving God, I can say Lord, the Lord has filled me with patience. But in the grocery line, if I'm losing my Jesus, then maybe I can't, you know, I can't say God has filled me with peace and patience and kindness, right? You know, we want to make sure that our lives are, are modeling that which we are proclaiming through the power of our testimony. The things that have changed, the things that are different in my life. If people are not asking you what's different in your life, perhaps it's that our lives look too much like the world around us. Think about it. Well, nobody's ever asked me, like, you know, why am I, why, what's different about me? I would challenge you with it. Maybe your life is looking too complementary to the world's pattern rather than God's pattern, right? That we're trying to appease both, right? Maybe on Sundays, we're putting on our Christian hat and we show up and we act the part of a Christian. And then when we're with our buddies, we, we put on our party hat, <laughs> 
of whatever's happening, whatever's going on. And, you know, but what this does, it really jeopardizes our testimony because it compromises that I'm this way when I'm around these people and I'm this way when I'm around these people. Why am I not like Jesus all the time? Right? That, that should be where, man, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian here and I'm a Christian here and I'm a Christian here and I'm a Christian here. I don't compromise who I am. But people see in my life a difference and that they ask the question, man, what is it that's different about you? I just noticed something different. So when we are modeling a Christian lifestyle in our everyday actions, people should ask us, what is different? What's going on? And we need to be prepared with an answer. We don't, be, we don't need to say, well, I just go to Harvest Town Church. I hope that's not your testimony. I mean, that might be part of it, but it's bigger than harvest time. It's about Jesus coming in and changing and molding and forming. And, you know, this wasn't an easy process and God's changed a lot of things. Like there needs to be kind of a little bit of an extensive, elaborate conversation that happens in sharing your testimony. But as people notice the difference, be ready to communicate the difference. So this morning, we're going to look at six simple principles to share your testimony. So number one, I'm going to jump right into this. Keep it short. You don't need a 12-point sermon about your testimony. You want to keep it simple. You want to be precise. In reality, you want to keep your testimony anywhere from two to three minutes at max. Right? People aren't going to sit there for 15, 20 minutes and let you unpack all the dialogue of your life. Now, if you're sitting down having coffee with somebody or they, you have time, it's a little bit different. But I'm just talking about naturally in passing when somebody's having a hard time and you quickly segue a conversation. Man, let me tell you what God did to change my life. And then you immediately go into that conversation. You need to be able to communicate the nuts and bolts of, of your testimony rather quickly and efficiently in two to three minutes. All right. So uh, get to the point as quick as possible. If you're talking about the weather, if you're talking about sports, if you're talking about all of these things and you're not getting to the point, you're, you're probably just avoiding those. If you are rambling on and on and on, it's probably nerves and just get to the point. How many of you have been in that position where you know you want to share the gospel or you want to share the testimony of what Jesus has done and you just kind of... Try to avoid it. And you say, oh, I'm waiting for the moment. I'm waiting for the moment. And sometimes we chicken out, but sometimes we go for it. So what, what I like to give you is segue phrases that help you get back on target. Segue statements that will get the, the, the hearer intrigued into what you have to say, but how to navigate the conversation in a way that, that draws people a little bit closer. Here's some of the conversation segue statements that you can have. Hey, let me tell you how Jesus radically changed my life. Now you kind of want to hear more. It's like, well, tell me, tell me more, right? You, you, you leave it open-ended, but then, that, then after that, you better be ready to follow up with your testimony because that's a loaded question. You can't just say, hey, let me tell you about, you know, how Jesus radically changed my life. Um, I'll get back to you later. Don't do that. Be ready, okay? Another statement is, um, hey, let me tell you about the person I used to be. Man, everybody will be intrigued with that, with that conversation. Hey, Tell me more. And then you jump into your testimony. Um, another statement. Hey, my life many years ago didn't make much sense. But let me tell you how all that changed. 
man, I'm all ears, man. Let me, I'll sit around longer than two or three minutes if you have the right statement to segue. So keep it short, jump in, use, use, use some conversation segue phrases that get you into the conversation. Keep it short. How long? Two to three minutes at most, right? So you got to put some work into getting it that short. So number one, keep it short. Number two, when we're talking about sharing our testimony, have a before, have a how, and then have a after. Right? You want to have each of those variables. Now, a lot of us will stay on the, the, the before, and they stay on the before. They never talk about the how because they're still talking about the before. But we should really be spending the majority of our time on the after. Because the after is going to be part of the equation where Jesus is now involved in the equation and things begin to change. But when I talk about before, how, and after, we need to pay attention um, to each of those areas and, and really evaluate those personally. But we have to understand that God uses our past, our present, and our future to impact the lives of people around us. So your past testimony will sometimes give power to people's present position. That's what happens. They may be dealing with something you share and you're like, man, that's what I'm dealing with. How did you, you know, how did it change or what happened? And the hope that you bring in sharing your testimony will also bring hope to those who are listening. Okay. So when we talk about it, um, and I would challenge you today, if there has never been a drastic radical change where you can remember the moment, the time, the place, the details of where you're like, man, I'll tell you what. I had a lot of cool experiences, but I remember this moment at this camp, at this service, on this night, where Jesus changed everything. Not saying that God is not a subtle God, but most of the time there is a life radically changing moment where everything changes. If that has never happened to you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge the, you with the question, are you even saved? Now, that's a, that's a bold statement. You're like, Pastor, you telling me I'm saved or not saved? I'm asking you the question. Has there been a moment in your life where God takes your heart or you feel like there is just a radical change where all of a sudden God showed up? Right? We hope that that's the case because that is the moment of where our past, the before, segues into the how. In that moment, God shows up. So you cannot have a spiritual testimony apart from Jesus. Jesus is part of that spiritual testimony. All right? So let me give you a quick little practical outlines real quick for the before, the how, and the after. So don't spend all your time talking about the before Jesus, but communicate long enough that people realize you were in a really bad place. Because they don't always know the person you used to be. They know the person you are today. So you got to kind of go back. Now, some of us don't like to do that. We don't like to dig it up. We don't like to think about it. We want to bury it at the cross and leave it there. But there is power in sharing some of those dark moments for the sake of God getting glory of turning that, that, that catastrophic season of our life into a testimony of our life. Because it's what Jesus has done for us. So acknowledge your sinful position. That's important. Um, give details that reveal that you came to the place of acknowledging your sin and helpless condition. That you realized, I was at this place, man. I was at a dark place. I was at a bad place. I was doing bad things. And, and use sensitivity with what you share, what you don't share. But be transparent. 
be kind of real, be a little vulnerable because people will, will know if you're really like being serious or not. So you might not feel super comfortable, but your story from your past can be the story that changes the story of the person that's listening. Um, most of the time, people experience a lot of the same things. And when you have found hope out of that situation, it also gives them hope to get out of their situation. That's why sharing some of the things before. So how? How did it happen that you found Jesus? When did it happen? How did it happen? When was the, was the place of, of this life transformation? Explain and tell them about the, the, the day that everything changed. Um, now, some examples can be, hey, I grew up in the church, but I finally one day, you know, just decided to make a choice for myself to follow Jesus. I was just always going to church and I realized, hey, that was for me. And in that moment, God changed everything. Maybe your story is that I was at, a, I was at an event or I was at a, a conference and I felt God drawing my heart and I responded to his drawing and everything changed. Maybe your story is, man, I was a person that wasn't in church at all. I didn't even care about God. Then something changed. Maybe your story looks like I was going through a hard, difficult time and didn't even know what to do. And at the very bottom of looking and I couldn't find anything that I found help and I found Jesus. It doesn't matter what your story is. Your story is valid. Your story is powerful. But we all come to the place of where there is a moment of how we came into that relationship with Jesus. So then once we get to the how, we want to get to the after. What changed? What was different? Um, now I'll tell you what. I, I know people that, that can give the specific details. It was on a Saturday night at this location at this time. This was the speaker. Guess what? Pastor Noe doesn't do that. I can't remember those details. I don't remember that. So don't. Now if you're like that, great. You're going to sound really awesome. I just can't do that. I remember, hey, was it a youth camp? There was this speaker. I don't even know who he was. This is what happened, and this is what changed. And, man, everything was awesome. That's like, that, that's like the extent. I don't have all the details, and I don't remember, but I remember the heart change. So be genuine. Don't try to make some of like, like if somebody were asked me today, hey, how many years have you been saved? I'm going to have to go back and do the monkey math because I have no clue. I know it's been a long time. Like I'm really going to have to probably figure out, I think it was here-ish. Like dates, details, specifics, I'm just not good at that. If you're good at that, hey, I've been, I've been saved for 42.5 years, and that's great. But share what you know. Be comfortable sharing how you share. But man, there is power in that testimony. There is power in sharing what God has done. The hope that you have, others can find it. So then spending time talking about after. What changed in your life? What's different? So be vulnerable here. Hey, this is how I was and this is how I am now. Um, understanding that you don't take credit for your own work, but you make sure that Jesus is the key that unlocked everything. I didn't even do anything. I just showed up and Jesus began to change things. I didn't even do anything. He did it all. Because the credibility can't be on what I do or what I earn or what I deserve, but the work of Jesus working in my heart is what we want to testify about. We have to understand that he alone can change the heart of man. It's nothing I can do to soften my heart. Right? Can't hit it with like a meat tenderizer and like, it doesn't work like that. Like spiritually, God has to soften my heart. He alone can break the power of bondage. 
He alone can open our spiritual eyes so that we can see what it is that we could not see on our own. It's Jesus. He's the one that changes everything. So the most powerful part of your testimony is the story of what Jesus has done. Now, people may argue sometimes with stories in the Bible, but guess what? They can't argue with your personal life testimony because you are the evidence of the work of Jesus in a heart that was once hard, that a sinner that was once in bondage. Not that we're perfect, but I sure hope today you look a lot different than you did originally. Now, are we still a work in progress? Absolutely. Right? Does, the goal is not perfection, but there should be some evidential change of some of the things that God has worked out in your life. Some of the things that, that have changed. Uh, I would challenge you, if you're stuck at the beginning of where certain things never changed, ask God just to knock that out of your life. So that can be part of your testimony, not kind of just part of like the burden that, you, that, you know, that you're just not stuck. Ask God to remove those things out of your life. Um, your life is living proof that the wonderful working power of God is available to those who transfer their trust in him. And, that, and that's where we want to kind of leave it. So we want to, number one, we want to keep it short. We want to have a before, a how, and an after. Number three, um, we want to have a theme. What do I mean by theme? You, I, I just don't run around talking about a whole bunch of different things. But when we talk about a theme, it's saying, what's the point? Right now, I know most of the time where I get where I'm at is always like all I know is I was blind, but now I see. Right? I don't know how it works. I can't explain how it worked, but I'll tell you, I was once this way, and now I'm this way. Right? Don't ping pong around a whole lot, but you know, share the area that God changed, the area that he that he uh, that he just came and he changed everything. So there's a story in the Bible about a, bl- a man that is blind from birth. And we know the story that that Jesus gets the mud and he wipes it on his eyes. And then he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he goes and he washes and he's able to see he's been blind from birth. And as this story kind of progresses, they approach the parents and they said, hey, did this in fact happen? And the parents were afraid of the Jewish leader. So they said, actually, go ask the boy. He is of age. So they were just kind of weaseling out. But they were asking the parents because do you realize that the parents would bring the credibility that they were looking for? If your child is born blind and is blind for a lifetime, it is a radical, awesome God thing when all of a sudden over the course of of that individual's life, they were blind, but now they see. So they go to the gentleman and they say, hey, you know, what is it that happened? And, you know, the, the Jewish leaders, they were super frustrated because Jesus did it on the Sabbath. Now, we know all through the Bible, Jesus was always doing stuff on the Sabbath. And I think he did it just to get under their skin. But this is what the conversation began to be about. It was about Jesus being a sinner. And this is where this story takes place in John 9, 25. And the gentleman who was blind and now sees, he says, uh, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know is I was blind, but now I see. And in verse 34, it says, then they replied, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Now, in verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when, they, when he found him, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the individual responds, who is he, sir? Now, I want you to realize, 
even before this individual knew who Jesus was, he already graciously released the gift of healing. This dude didn't even know he was talking to the, to the one that healed him. He didn't know who the son of man was. And it says, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I might believe in him. In verse 37, it says, Jesus said, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. And then the immediate response is then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This is a moment where everything changed. You know, I kind of wonder if he had lost hope. If he had got to the place of just being content, being blind, you know, you think for a lifetime, you just give up. Sometimes when we're dealing with hard things that we just kind of settle it and say, well, maybe that's just the way it's going to be. There are things in our life sometimes that God will show up and he will change the situation. It's never too late. The moment that Jesus shows up, everything changes. So the theme and the point even of this individual's life, you know, it, it, was, it was about the change that happened, right? I was blind, but now I see. What can, be a, what can be a common theme for you? Hey, I was lost, but now I'm found. I didn't know where I was going, but now I know where I'm going. I was a sinner, and now I'm forgiven. I was angry, but now I'm full of joy. I was bound and addicted, and now I am free. That's the theme. That's the point. That's the reason. Because all of these awesome things happen by the power of Jesus being released. So when we're sharing our testimony, we want to keep it short. We want to have a before, a how. We want to have an after. We want to have a theme. What's the point? And then number four, clearly present the gospel. That's why two weeks ago, weekends ago, we spent time communicating the gospel. The gospel is the key. Jesus is the gate. The Bible says no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to be saved is through Jesus. So we can't just say, well, you know, I don't really know what happened. No, I know what happened. Jesus is what happened. And he was invited into my life. He was invited into the situation and everything changed. So clearly present the gospel. Make people understand that Jesus Christ was the source of the transformation. Man, I hear awesome stories of people like addicted to alcohol. They get saved and it's just gone. Addicted to things. It's just broke. That's it. It's like, I don't even know what happened. I've been an actor my whole life and I gave my life to Jesus and it just broke. It just went away. Man, this is the power of God. You got psychological, you got emotional, you got all of these dependencies, you know, chemical things happening. And Jesus is bigger than all of that. I can't explain it, but I can tell you it happened. You know, just like an individual born blind. Because I don't know what happened. But the day he showed up, I was allowed to see. So we want to really communicate that Jesus is the source of the transformation. Clearly communicate that God loves them. That they understand that they are sinful, but Jesus is the payment for the penalty of that sin. And that they need to trust Christ as a payment for that penalty of sin. And that they need to have a personal relationship with God. So the whole point is for people to come away from a conversation with you and, and saying, man, isn't Jesus amazing? I want him for my life too. Right? We want to walk, we, we walk away from that where people are hungry and wanting and desiring to have a relationship with God. Right? We cannot omit 
the gospel from the part of your story. Because the gospel really is the most important element. Uh, in, share, in sharing the gospel with people, it's really showing them that God loves them and we love them too. Now remember this, if you have not shared the gospel, you really, really haven't really shared your testimony. So um, you can't have a testimony without the gospel. The gospel working in your life through Jesus is the testimony. You can have a great story, but you can't have a testimony. Because a true testimony is going to come through the power of Jesus being worked in and through your life. Amen? Got to understand that. Take Jesus out of the equation. Got very little left to show. All right? So clearly present the gospel. Number five, I, I really jumped the gun on this one, but avoid Christianese. I, I, if, you, if you heard that message, you're going to hear what I'm saying. I'm going to go really quickly because I don't want to waste a lot of time talking about it. But that is communicating to people in a way that they understand. I don't want to use words like sanctified, glorified, justified, and then everybody that's listening is just now confusified. They have no clue what I'm saying. It's like, okay, yeah, I don't know what I just agreed to, but I agreed to something because it sounded good. It sounded convincing, right? We don't want to communicate in a way like that. We want to use wordage in a way that people understand. So when we say sanctified, that means just being cleaned up from my sin. When we say glorified, that is where Jesus actually went up into heaven uh, to be with his father, justified, where God sees us just as if we have never sinned, perfect, spotless, clean, uh, even the word resurrection, right? When we use the the word resurrection, you know, just use the word say, well, he was brought back to life. He was dead and he raised from the dead. Like that's easier than resurrection. Like to me, resurrection is kind of, what do you mean resurrection? Now we're church folk, right? So we understand hopefully what that means, but they're going to be like, what's this dude talking about? Resurrection and, you know, sanctification, glorification. And I, you know, like I said, it is just not, it's important for us to know that. But when we are sharing our testimony with others, we want to use simple phrasing that everybody understands. Atoning sacrifice. All that means is he took my punishment. So he took my sin and he put it on him just like a jacket. Right? And you say, yeah. Don't you want him to do, be your, yeah, be your uh, atoning sacrifice? And you're like, I think. Right? It's just hard phrasing. We don't want to use those words that confuse, but we want to, we want to use wordage that really points people in a clear understanding of what they're doing. This is my, my favorite one. I'm a soapbox. This one just for him. Backslide. Well, he's just a backslider. Always envision like slip and sliding, but you run and you turn around and you slide on your back. Like backsliding. Church, church lingo, backsliding. You know, really all that means is I, I'm, I'm turning and I'm walking away from God. I can say that. We use the word backsliding. I have no clue what that means. Like what does that look like? What is that? Am I doing that? Are you doing that? Nobody knows right outside of the church. So we want to use the phrasing, we're crucified. Uh, he just died a horrific death on the cross. Um, you know, does Jesus live in your heart? Instead of saying something like that, hey, do you believe that Jesus saves you? You know, just a way to, um, you know, communicate it a little bit better. All right. So avoid Christianese. So number one, make sure it's brief to the point. Number two, have a before, a how, and an after. Number three, have a theme. What's the point? Number four, clearly present the gospel. Number five, avoid Christianese. Number six, practice, practice, and practice. Uh, practicing sharing your testimony before sharing it cold turkey is highly advised. If I were to get you to say, hey, come up right now, share your testimony, you got two to three minutes. Now, for some of you, you may be able to pull it off. 
for most of us, it would be a rememberable day in our life because we would be nervous, we would be stressed, we wouldn't know what to say, we'd fumble all over ourselves. Um, as bad as not remembering the timeline and the dates, it may be all over the place, right? So we want to practice. We want to be prepared. One way we can do that is spend some time thinking about your testimony, writing it up, memorizing it, and then share it with a close friend. Say, hey, do you mind if I practice just sharing my testimony? And then get some uh, feedback from them and see if they understand or if they even want to follow Jesus after you told them the story. Be like, man, I don't know about that. Like, I, I decline, <laughs> and I'm a Christian, right? <laughs> um, so just, just practicing in a way that communicates it well, know the details, know what you need to share, move through the process, um, you know, but you really, really want to practice. Uh, if, you, if you haven't really thought through it and you haven't practiced, the first time you do it is probably going to be really, really rough. Now, I give some of you in the room a benefit of the doubt, but I'm assuming... It's going to be rough, right? You're going to be like, man, that's the worst. I never want to do that again. So I don't want that to happen, right? I want you to be prepared. I want it to come across actually pretty well. So the point of practicing, uh, it, it allows you to communicate effectively, efficiently, and clearly. Now, I'll tell you what. I never show up without notes. Could I pull it off? Probably. Would it be all over the place? Probably. Would you have A, B, C, and D? Probably not because my memory won't remember it. Right. So, so I'm prepared. I plan, I think ahead. And then then I hope that the Holy ghost just makes up the difference because there is the the, the value in that, but we want to practice. We want to be ready. Um, you know, practice doesn't always mean that it will be perfect, but it'll help you be prepared when you're given the chance to truly share your testimony, because there's already going to be nerves. You're already going to be stressed out. You're kind of going to, the devil's going to say, no, don't do it. You're going to mess it up. Head for the hills. Let somebody else tell them, right? You're already going to have all of those nerves, all of those things working against you. So you want to be prepared and you want to be polished and you want to be ready to communicate effectively, efficiently, and clearly, right? So we want to do that before we get to that point. So the six principles of sharing your testimony. Number one, keep it simple. How long should it be? Two to three minutes at the most. Uh, we want to have a before, how. how, and an after, right? Don't stay on the before forever. You know, we know it's ugly. We don't want to stay there. We want to get to the after of what Jesus has done in our lives. Uh, have a theme. Having a theme, ask the question, what's the point, right? Uh, clearly present the what? The gospel. It's one of the most important variables that we'll share. Avoid Christianese. Hey, it's going to be real funny when you use a Christianese phrase and you're like, my bad, bro. Let me explain that to you. You'll re you won't realize you're doing it, but you'll do it. Avoid it. And then practice, practice, and practice. Okay? So let's say you get a chance to share your testimony with someone. I'm going to leave you with one more thing that you have to do when you share your testimony. Once you share your testimony with someone, it is of utmost importance at that point to just invite them to church. It's that simple. Just say, hey, man, I will save you a seat. I want to invite you to church. Come, on, come and hang out with us. Um, We've got enough chairs in this place. Like if you know somebody's coming, really save them a seat. Now, don't be one of those people that kind of spread out and put all stuff everywhere just so you got your worship space. But save them a seat if you know they're coming. Let, let me share a, a, a staggering statistic with you. And some of you may have heard this, but the second part of this I had not heard. 
So according to Tom Rainier's book, The Unchurched Next Door, it says 82% of our friends and family that don't attend church are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. 82% are likely to show up if they're invited. Now that's not for sure. They're definitely going to come, but 82%, man, that's a pretty good average. Now it says also there's more. Seven out of 10 unchurched people have never been invited to church in their whole lives. Okay, when I saw that statistic, you know what that means? That means a whole lot of people think people are inviting other people to church, and the reality is we're not inviting people to church. Because seven out of ten not being invited, that means that um, all, all of you have never been invited to church, but we've invited these. That's crazy. Right? If, I, if I'm standing in my house and I got somebody north, south, east, and west, that means one of them have been invited, but the other three really haven't. Seven out of ten have not. That's crazy to me. So what that means is we really are not inviting people like we think we are. We assume other people maybe are inviting. Or maybe we have this perception that everybody has invited them to church. So why should I invite them to church? Or everybody's inviting people to church. I don't want to overburden them. You know, I think a lot of times we have to be aware that people are not as aware of our church as we are aware of our church. Because I think right now, like every, all of us would say, oh, everybody knows about Harvest Time. If you were to walk around the grocery store, hey, you ever heard of Harvest Time Church? Now, there's going to be some that do because we work really hard at communicating, you know, and just really getting the word out. But if you were to take a poll and ask people, where is that church? I've never heard of that. People are not as aware of our church. And statistically, people are not really being invited to the level that probably we should be inviting. Why is the point? Why do we invite them? Is it just to fill it up? Is it to take awesome attendance counts and be like, look how many people we had come on Sunday? No. That may be the bridge that leads them to their testimony. Man, I remember so-and-so invited me to church. I didn't want to come. Man, I showed up and the people were friendly. The coffee was good. And man, the breakfast. Who made tacos this morning? I saw tacos floating around. My, uh, my son was eating one. He didn't want to share it. Uh, so if there's tacos, tacos are great. Like uh, next time someone makes tacos, bring me a taco. Um, but all of these things, they just, they, they're welcomed into a great experience. But the whole point is that they meet Jesus. And part of that is they get to feel the love and acceptance and say, man, something is different in this place. Something is different in this room. There's something different about this church that is it's just different. And I ask that this would be a place where the spirit of God would move and come and have his way. That's my heart. It's not just good preaching and great worship. It's a place where people get to change their story. They get to start a new testimony. Where I was blind, but now I see. That's why we invite them, because we're really inviting them into a relationship with Jesus. We're just doing it strategically through a lot of different avenues. But let's change that statistic a little bit and start inviting people. Especially those close friends and family, right? That according to that percentage has a high probability of them saying, yeah. Maybe you've asked them a lot of times and... Maybe they haven't said yes yet, but that doesn't mean that we don't keep inviting. 
got a neighbor friend that we've been inviting for a long time and she has a little boy he was he was he was talking something about soccer and I was teasing him about jumping in his little swimming pool that was about that deep and that big round and he says you can come I was like yeah I'll jump in and throw you out but I was playing soccer with him yesterday and the kids were getting ready to leave the house and Samuel had his guitar. He was taking it. And he says, are they going to church? I says, no, they're going to my uh, grandma and grandpa's to stay the night. I says, but tomorrow we're going to church. And he says, well, I want to go to church. He's standing in my yard. We're playing soccer, but his mom's sitting right over there. I said, well, you got to talk to your mom about that. Well, I want to go to church. I said, he said he wants to go to church. It's at 9 and 11. Not, no pressure, but at some point, God will draw the heart. God will remind somebody of that invite. And I'm believing that by the Spirit of God, when they show up, as I do my part, Jesus does his part. Because I know that if I can get people close to the presence of God, they will forever be changed. Amen? You stand up with us. Uh, Before I get you out of here, two resources that I want you to be aware of. Uh, Richard Rogers, actually last week he talked about it. Evangelism Explosion is a great resource for evangelism, outreach, practical steps, all of those things. Another great tool is the God Test. Uh, org. It gives you questions and guidance on how to, sh- how to share the gospel, but they also have an app that you can download that really gives you life questions. And if you have a friend, let them go through it. And then at the end, based on those questions, it'll give them responses if they care to read it, but gives you some guidance on how to talk to atheists and people that don't believe in the Bible. Man, so many resources, but let's be well prepared. And then whatever lack of, after we've prepared, we'll just ask for the Holy Spirit to make up the difference. But here's what I want to do. If we got prayer teams that can come forward, what I want to make sure we do today before I release you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have a testimony yet. You have a before, but today can be your how. Do you say, man, I don't remember. We're talking something about like sharing our testimony. And I found out I would, I, I thought about it. I wasn't even saved. I realized I didn't have a testimony. I didn't have a moment where God changed everything. And I was bold and courageous. And I just humbly said, Lord, I need to know you today. I'm missing a critical component. And it changes everything. And this is where the how turns into the future. Of how my how turns into the after. And then we live that through a lifetime. So I'm going to pray for you. And if you don't have a relationship with the Lord or you've never really surrendered your life and you feel this morning something burning in your chest and you feel like, man, I need to make that decision before I go. I just want you, as I dismiss you, to come boldly and courageously to some of these leaders and they'll just lead you in a, in a prayer and just a commitment to follow the Lord. But that's just the first step because it's a lifelong process after that. But today, I want you to understand the power of your testimony is powerful. And it can impact and change the lives of those around you. Amen. Pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one under the sound of my voice. If there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that doesn't know you, God, I ask by your Holy Spirit, you would draw their heart. Father, that you would lead them to a place of realizing that they've fought long enough without help or not knowing what to do. But today is the day that everything changes. Holy Spirit, we just release you to work to do the work that you can only do. 
Father, I ask also for maybe rough edges in our lives that haven't changed even though we know you, God. I pray the power of your Holy Spirit would break those off of our lives today. Father, that those would be part of our before, they wouldn't be part of our present. And Father, I pray that we would just trust you for a great future, full of you, full of testimonies of your goodness throughout our life. Father, as we go from this place, I pray that you'd bring people along our path that we can share our testimony with. And Father, people that we can also invite, just in the simplest way of coming to church, that we'd be bold and that we'd be courageous. And Father, that we'd all be part of the ministry that you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.